0: Chapter 27. Thank you, ladies, for singing a good song and singing it well. Man, this is this is weird. I uh, have kind of had this passage on my my heart for a little while for. Kind of the graduation service this evening. And the thought has been something that was there for all of our young people. And then as I was sitting and and praying and thinking and writing notes in the Bibles of uh, the young people before service, it hit me. a little more than I expected, that uh, I have an opportunity also to kind of preach the graduation ceremony of my daughters, which I knew was coming, but uh, the gravity of, of the message itself kind of struck me, and I was just hoping they would hear it. And then as I was praying and seeking help again from the Lord, he kind of reminded me of, one service won't make as much of a difference. It'll be the lifetime of raising them that hopefully has put them on the right path. But still, I feel very strongly about what I'm about to say to all of you. I hope that it will be applicable to everybody in the room, but uh, you know I have to admit that a lot of it is geared towards our graduates, from kindergarten up through college. I'm thankful for uh, Brynn and Paisley, uh, two energetic and fun little girls, and boy do they have personality and spirit and spunk, both of them. You don't want to cross either one of them. Sweet girls, but also feisty. And God can use that. I think of my daughters, Emma and Leanna, and Meredith, the journey that they're about to embark on, of course it's, it's kind of the next step, but um, best I can tell for the three of them, they feel it would be the Lord's will for them for now to stay under the shelter and, and within the hedge of their parents and let God continue to lead them to the next step in life. And I'm glad about that, uh, three precious young ladies, two of them that I get to keep around a little while longer, and, um, and then of course, uh, Brother Jonathan, who I'm still getting to know, I've just had snippets of time with him uh, last summer, and then uh, not much this summer yet, but we've almost talked more over the phone and through text than we have in person uh, over the last oh 14 or 15 months, I suppose. And I hear of, of, I didn't know him before, but I hear of the, the move that God has done in his life over the past few years and how God has changed him and made him into a good and a better young man and the effort and work that he put into Bible college working to prepare himself to do a greater work for the Lord. Of course, the talents that he has already given to the Lord and that the Lord has used in writing music and songs and so on Brother Jonathan, no doubt, heard some preaching for his graduation. He can go to sleep for this one, I guess, if he wants to, but uh, many of us have heard these passages preached. You could really read the whole chapter. You kind of almost need the whole chapter. I'm going to try my best not to do that uh, this evening, but... Let's all stand to our feet, if we could, please. Acts chapter number twenty-seven. Paul is in the last little bit of his journey of life and ministry. He has made a decision. I, I'll be honest with you. I can't tell if it was the Lord's will or not. He says it was, but there were two different times in the Scripture where the Bible says that the Holy Spirit moved other people to warn him not to go and. I don't know. But he's on the last leg of his ministry and life, and he boards a ship as a prisoner, and we see it here in verse number one of Acts chapter twenty-seven. The Bible says, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners under one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band. And entering into a ship of Adramidium we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. Let's skip down if we could please. Verse number 7, when he had sailed slowly many days, when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against canidus the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmone, And hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close by Crete. We know now the rest of what happens. They head out to sea against the counsel of Paul and find themselves in great trouble. You often want to preach inspirational messages coming into these graduation services. And I remember some of the messages I've had the privilege of preaching at different graduation ceremonies, but this one may not be as inspirational as it is more a message of warning. I want to speak to you this evening on this subject, avoiding shipwreck, avoiding shipwreck. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please guide and direct my thoughts. I yield myself to you and I I ask that you would help me say what you would have me to say and only what you would have me to say I know I'm just a man and I need your power and I beg you please that you would anoint this service with your power from on high do Lord please what only you can do in this service time we yield it to you I yield it to you we pray this as we ask it in Jesus name and amen you can be seated these young people, are in a transition time of life. Transition times can be good times as you transition from one stage to another. Things like going from single to being married, graduating high school and going into the next stage of life or college or whatever the case may be. Transitioning from one job to another. Transitions in life can be great times. They can be times where we take the next step forward, but they can also be very dangerous times. In those times of transition, it's important to remember that while some things are changing in life, we can't go changing everything. You need some things to remain stable because in these transition periods, often Satan will attack and try to get us off kilter. Unfortunately, I and you as well have seen many times as young people make transitions from one stage of life to the next, especially in this high school graduation time, that what ends up happening is a life that was headed down the right direction ending in shipwreck. I hope that all of you young people will hear me. If there is anything that we desire for you, as parents, as a church, as your pastor, it is that the investment that has been made in your life that has hopefully pointed you to Jesus and to His work will be carried on and that that path will not be changed and that your life not end up an illustration that is used sometime in the future about what not to do. But that is unfortunately often what takes place during this stage of life. I want to say, if you could please look at verse number 9 and let's look at this verse. The Bible says, now when much time was spent, and when sailing was what? Now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. When sailing was now dangerous. You see, they had already made some progress on the journey. They had gotten in the ship, they had made a little progress, but now they hit... A stage and a time where things begin to get a little more treacherous. And Paul tries to warn them not to go on, but they don't listen. And I want to say this this evening, first of all, a little progress is not the entire journey, so please remain watchful. If there is any time in life where you cannot let your guard down, it is absolutely right now. Just because you've made a little of the journey in life and done okay, doesn't mean that from this point forward, everything is past and you can now relax and it will all be okay from this point forward. They thought that because part of the journey had gone okay, even, there, there were, even though there were a couple of struggles along the way, they made it this far, so it was okay to go the rest of the way. They thought it would be alright not to worry. And I want to say, and please hear me out, it is absolutely necessary that you remain vigilant and watchful And don't assume just because you've made a little progress that now you're in the clear. Just because you made it through high school and just because you've made it this far that now all of a sudden you've got a little knowledge and you've got a little understanding and you can just let your guard down because adulthood gets easier. And can I say that you are always going to need more direction. And you never, ever grow out of that. Brother Jonathan, you'll never grow out of it. And church, I don't care where you are in life, you'll never grow out of the need for direction from God or the need for direction from others that no matter how far you have come, we cannot ever afford to be settled and comfortable. Be vigilant. Remain vigilant at all times. Some of the most dangerous times in the Christian life are when we've made a little progress, and if we're not careful, we become proud of our progress. We become glad about our progress and begin to think, hey, I've arrived a little bit, everything will be okay. You know, it doesn't matter how many times I try. The moment I start to get a little proud of myself, God always knocks me down a notch, or something dumb happens. (laughs) I really don't want to tell this story, but it happened again last night. We were outside getting ready to play a little cornhole, and Keegan, my nephew, walks out. and I don't know where he got this idea, but the boys were tossing the football, and he says, Uncle Josh, I want to play football with you. I said, Keegan, you want to do that. He said, no, I want, I said, what do you mean you want to play football? He said, I want to see if I can catch the ball again. I said, you don't want to do that. It'll be ugly for you. And so he kept, he kept working on me, I said, all right, all right, if you insist, I'll show you how real men play. <laughs> and I started trash talking, you know, and I thought, this crazy kid, this will be nothing. And so I lined up on the defensive side, and he lined up on the offensive side, and dad uh, grabbed the football and was getting ready to throw it, and three out of four times that dumb kid beat me. And he was actually, he was actually nice about it. Like he, he tried to excuse things for me, you know. He was actually really nice about it. But I was so upset, I I just I went back and played cornhole. Uh, I was done with football for the night. God can find a way to humble us, and He often does. But the scary thing is when God tries to get our attention and we don't listen and we just hold on to our pride, that's when you're headed for shipwreck. The entire group should have listened. And I beg you, I plead with you, keep listening to your counselors. You need it in every stage of life. I thank God that it... You know, 41 years old, I still have a few counselors that I can call and say, of course, my dad being top on my list and say, Dad, whether it's a ministry thing, a pastoring thing, a family thing, or whatever, I can call mom or dad either way and say, Hey, uh, I need a little help. I need a little direction. I need a little counsel. Can you help me? I, I love some of the older men that have gone before me. I, I, I love picking Brother Redmond's brain. He's always humble about it and, and uh, doesn't always like to give advice, but if I push him long enough, he'll finally come out with something. And there's a lot of wisdom in years there. And, you know, the Lord has taught me over the years that these men, there, there is so much wisdom in their years and experience and in what God has taught them. My father-in-law, we've called talked to my father-in-law a couple of weeks ago about a decision we were about to make. And I said, you know what, he would have a good answer for this. Let's call him. Listen, there is never a stage of life where you need to get to the the point where you think, you know what, Uh, I've got all the answers. Because it is one of the first steps to shipwreck. We've never completely arrived and there there is always godly counsel to be gained. Can Can I beg you please to do this? Never stop learning. Never stop growing. Never stop listening. Stay humble enough to admit you don't have all the answers. Because you've just made a little progress in life. They made a little progress on the sea and they thought because they had come a certain distance that the rest of the journey would be okay. And the truth was it was time to stop and recalibrate and let God tell them when it was time to move, but instead they pressed beyond the will of God and they got themselves in trouble. Secondly, look at verse number 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. Number 2. Listening to peers who are on the same path and journey can lead to group blindness and bias. They all wanted the same thing and they all had the same vision and they all had the same goal. Therefore, they all had the same bias. When you're on the same journey, you're affected by the same ambitions. So your counsel and advice can be skewed for one another. In other words, young people... It's okay to talk with each other a little bit every now and then about your life situations, but before you make life decisions, seek the elderly. Nothing wrong with talking about it together a little bit. Nothing wrong with reflecting on where you are in life, and, and every now and then your friends can be a help to you. There's nothing wrong with that either. But before you make big life decisions, listen to those who have more experience. Because they were all listening to each other, they got bias against what God was trying to say. And the Bible does say that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety, but that doesn't mean that in the multitude of friends who are giving you counsel, there is safety. You often need somebody who can tell you the truth, who has been there, done that, seen what's down the road. Listen to them. Now listen, we may not be able to guard you in football anymore or jump and spike the volleyball anymore, but there are some things that you can learn from your mom and dad and you had better be glad you can still hear their voice. There are still some things that you can learn from your preacher, from your Sunday school teacher, when your mom and dad, pastor, Sunday school teacher, or godly counselor are warning you, but all of your other friends are saying, no, this is a good way to go, listen to those who have been there. This is kind of another message, but I want us to look at it, if we could please. First Kings chapter number 12 in your Bible. It's 1 Kings chapter number 12. Solomon is about to pass off the scene and Rehoboam, his son, is about to reign in his stead. He has some decisions to make. And the people sent and called him in verse number 3 of 1 Kings 12. They sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Jeroboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore, make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me, and the people departed. Now, this was a good decision. He decided that because he had a big decision to make, that it was a good idea to take a step back and seek some counsel. So, he says, come to me in three days and I'll give you an answer. Verse number 6, And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever but he forsook the counsel of the old men with the, which they had given him and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him and which stood before him. And essentially, he goes to his buddies and says, alright, I've heard what the old men have to say. What do you young men say? And they basically said, well, why don't you just be even more of a king and even more of a lord over them and establish your authority right now and don't let them talk to you like that. So, Rehoboam comes back to him and he essentially says, I tell you what, you want your load to get lighter? There's more strength in my little finger than there was in my entire father. And I'm going to take care of business. And he split his kingdom. Your peers aren't always the best people to listen to because... They can't see things you can see. Your friends, though they are your friends, are not the ones to be listening to when it's time for a big decision in life. Go to the ones who have been there. Oh Man, I'm about to, I'm about to step in it right now. Can I say this too? I guess I'm not. I just have to be careful how I say it. Um, Be careful who you get your counsel from. Just because they're older doesn't always mean they're the best person to ask questions of. So, if somebody walks with God and you can tell they walk with God and they love God and they seek the will of God, that's a start. Now, something else to be aware of? I wouldn't get counsel about marriage from somebody that's been divorced twice. They may have some lessons that they have learned that could be helpful, but I would go get counsel from somebody who's been married for 50 years and figured it out. Believe me, if they were married for 50 years, it doesn't mean that they didn't have problems. And anybody that says they didn't have problems either didn't live in the same house or they're lying. It doesn't mean they didn't have problems. They've worked through the problems. When I try to seek counsel, I was taught this principle a long time ago, and when I try to seek counsel about ministry things, I'll I'll try to call a preacher who has been successful in a certain area of ministry. Do you follow me? When I approach that area of ministry. If he's good with finances and he has a proven track record with finances with his church, that's the guy I want to hear from about finances. Right? If he's really good with people and he's had a good track record dealing with people, that's the guy I want to hear from when it comes to dealing with hard situations with people. Are you with me? And I want to say this very carefully and and God will give you this discernment over time. You won't always have it immediately but God will give you this discernment over time if you'll allow Him to. That doesn't mean that This preacher, that preacher is a bad preacher. I mean, some preachers are militant when they're dealing with people, and God has given them grace and favor, and their churches do great. And some guys are more gracious, and you can learn from both of them. But just be careful. Learn from people who have been there, done that, and been successful at it. That's the best place to get your counsel from. It's just a little rabbit trail there. I just wanted to go on for a second. Number one, a little progress is not the entire journey. Remain watchful and vigilant for each step of life. Is everybody okay? Number two, listening to peers who are on the same journey can lead to group blindness and bias. Be careful about listening to the counsel of people your age. And three or four years older is not all that great either. Number three, and i got to close up shop. Back to Acts, if you would please, Acts chapter 27. And I need you to hear this. This message is not coming out nearly as passionate as I anticipated that it would. I'm just hoping that the Holy Spirit will be able to relay the message to your hearts as sincerely and genuinely as I want it to come out. Verse number 21 of Acts 27. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now. I exhort you to be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. If you don't listen, there are some mistakes that will have lasting consequences and that will cause loss that can't be recovered. Yes, God can forgive. Yes, the pieces can be picked up. But they can't always be put back together. Some decisions will cause you to suffer harm and loss that won't be fixed. And can I say this and please listen to me because this is coming from my heart. You too listen to me. I've done my best, but it always hasn't been good enough. It hasn't always been good enough. I'm not perfect. Neither is your mother. We have tried you go out there and mess up, we'll always be a shoulder to cry on. And we'll help you pick up the pieces. But there are some decisions you can make from this point forward that will mess you up and we can't fix it. And you say, well then what's the solution? You want the solution? Don't do it! That's it! It's the only answer there is! Don't go sow your wild oats. Don't assume that every problem can be fixed. They can't. Meredith, your parents have raised you right. I know they haven't been perfect. They're good people. They've given you the best opportunity. Don't mess it up, kiddo. Because you can mess it up. This is not the time to let your guard down and decide, you know what? Everything is fine. I'll just be able to fix it all later. Not always. Keep your purity until the end. Mary Wright! Be careful about who you choose. Your spouse can determine the ultimate direction of your life and don't you dare think that because you're older and more mature and you're further down the road that now you can pull them out of their problems. Doesn't always work that way. Brother Jonathan, as guys go, you're probably a catch. But I wouldn't know I'm a guy. Is Miss Rachel saying no? no, no." (laughs) Nothing like sibling love. He's tried to be careful. Don't get desperate and lose that chance. You get one shot at a good marriage. And, and, And that doesn't mean that people can't have a good second and third marriage. I'm not saying that at all. We have precious people in our church who are on their second or third marriage and they've learned from their mistakes and they're doing well. I am not trying to discredit or talk down about you. Some of those precious people could stand up here and give the same warnings. Keep your heart for one person to the best of your ability. Prayerfully consider who you marry and look at the spiritual things they matter most. Make sure you're attracted to them. That helps a lot. You know these guys that say you don't need to be attracted to your spouse. You know as much as you just need to look at the spiritual, brother. I don't want to wake up next to an ugly person the rest of my life. And thank God I don't have to. I I don't, I don't get all of that. You know, and some some guys will say you know, and I've heard this. You know, well just just marry the spiritual ones. They can always get better in the looks department. You know, almost everybody that says that married the cheerleader of their school and I would love to see them I would love to see them get up and tell me that in public their wife is ugly but she got better you need to be attracted to each other there there's a practical side to our relationships but my word if they're attractive but they have no spiritual compass there are better choices You know, godly people don't have to be ugly. (laughs) There are good-looking people out there that love the Lord. It's amazing how that works, but it really does happen. Please hear me out. There are some mistakes you can't come back from. And you can pick up some pieces and you can end up on shore, but you're never getting the ship back. And you're never, getting, you're never getting all those things that you lost back. So how do you do it? How do you, how do you fix that problem? Just don't do it. Keep your guard up and be careful about big decisions. I think I'm on my last point. Lastly. Look at verse number 30, would you please? And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Number four. If things begin to break down because you made a bad decision, stay in the ship and wait for direction and timing from God. Because sometimes when we've made a mistake, we feel like, oh no, i got to fix it. And we start getting frantic and we, we just start making our own decisions and we think, God will never help me now. I've, I've gone too far. I've made too many mistakes. There's just no way to come back from this. So I might as well just jump ship and salvage what I can. And can I tell you this? There is still a chance for God to help, but you have to wait until He says it's time. Don't get ahead of yourself. God wants to fix us even after the ship is broken. And He is willing to fix us and help us from that point forward. And no, there may not be some things that you'll ever recover, but if you'll just be patient and not get ahead of yourself and not panic and trust God, things can be okay. Stay in the ship! Until God says move. Don't panic. Amen. And There may be some here this evening who have made some bad choices over the course of your life and if you're not careful, you start getting hasty and hoping you can fix things, and you're in a holding pattern, and you're waiting for God to do something, and if you're not careful, you can get ahead of God before He's ready, and the best thing for you to do right now is stay put, seek the Lord's will, wait for Him to say what's next, and let Him do it. Seek His counsel and timing, and wait until He says go. Husband or wife, there may be mistakes in the marriage that are hard to overcome. Don't jump ship. Wait on the Lord. Let Him work. Don't panic. Be patient and wait for God to move. Please, please. And you young people, please, please hear me. Man, I wish I could pull this out of my heart and stick it into yours. God is not done with you just because there are mistakes that can't be fixed. Wait on the Lord. He may not be able to put all those pieces back together, but there's still hope Turn back to Him and let Him help. Don't try to fix it all on your own. Don't try to lean on your own understanding. Turn back to the Lord. So you missed His counsel the first time. Listen to it this time! Let Him help you. If things begin to break down, stay in the ship and wait for direction and timing from God brokenness doesn't have to be the end. In Acts chapter 28 and verse number 1, the Bible says, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. They didn't even know where God was going to save them to. They had been tossed at sea and had no idea where they were headed next. They didn't know what the name of the island was. They didn't have a clue where they were. All they knew was that God had rescued them and they were safe. Give him time. He can bring you back to safety. Avoiding shipwreck. Number one, a little progress is not the entire journey. Remain vigilant and watchful. Number two, listening to peers who are on the same journey can lead to group blindness and bias. Listen to your elders. Number three, there are some mistakes that will have lasting consequences and that will cause loss that can't be recovered. Number four, if things begin to break down, stay in the ship and wait for direction, help, and timing from God because brokenness does not mean doneness. He can still work, but you have to let Him. You have to trust Him again. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please help this evening imprint these truths upon the hearts and minds of each and every person here.